TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. King OX at your service. BioSTL presents Nothing Impossible. BioSTL, driving the St. Louis innovation economy. Now, Nothing Impossible on King OX. Michael Calhoun with you, and let's talk about St. Louis and talent and deepening our talent bench. We'll spring into the conversation Charlie Bolton, who's the Senior Vice President of BioGenerator, part of BioSTL. Charlie, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Yeah, so first of all, and a little introduction to uh, BioGenerator, what you do, and how you fit into the BioSTL portfolio. Well, BioGenerator, uh, we build companies. Our, our role is to build um, companies that will be successful in St. Louis. It will create jobs, uh, return capital to investors, and help to grow the economy. So we're, that involves a lot of things, um, not just investing. We, we work on uh, facilities. We work on people. Um, resources, others, all the things that are necessary to build successful companies. But at the core, within BioSTL, our focus is on the startups themselves. So when you talk about resources, is that uh, mostly investment and then also uh, mentorship and that sort of thing? Just sort of the, the, the full package, right? So if you, if you have a, a faculty member at Washington University or St. Louis University who's interested in a company, you know, how do you go from that idea to a few years later where you have you know, for example, Arch Oncology, our labs that has, you know, 25 people and has raised, you know, 75 million or, or whatever that is. There's a whole lot of things that go into it. Yeah, certainly talent, people, the diligence aspect of it, the strategy of the company. At that early stage, we play a critical role, you know, in, including that, that first capital piece, uh, having the, the ability to deploy early stage risk capital uh, in our region is, is really, really important. Um, and then we sort of cycle back to, to create more companies as the professional uh, later stage investors uh, continue to fund. What are some examples of the companies that have been in the biogenerator portfolio and that you've worked with? Well, Con- Confluence is a great example for us. Uh, Confluence Life Sciences. This was a, a company started by individuals who were laid off by Pfizer a number of years ago and um, thought about a lot of different things, including leaving the area and taking jobs at other pharmaceutical companies, you know, on the East Coast and West Coast. But a group of them decided to stay in St. Louis. And um, myself and Eric Gulby at Biogenera were also ex-Pfizer colleagues and knew these folks well. And we got together and thought about the opportunities, thought about the, the things we could do, um, maybe some things that, that hadn't, um, weren't able to do in, in the big company, a little riskier approach to, to the science and launched uh, Confluence in 2010 
Pat Jenner was the first investor, uh, Joe Monahan, uh, just a world-class scientist and, and, and leader, um, formerly at Pfizer, was the, the, the founding CEO of the company. And if you fast forward to today, that, that company ultimately was acquired uh, by Claris, um, therefore returning capital to, to Biogenera to repeat the process, returning capital to angel investors, venture capital funds that had, had invested in, in the company. And, and uh, today, uh, Confluence, now part of Claris, still uh, has their operations in St. Louis. So 50 people, 50 scientists are uh, working hard in the, in the BioSTL building in St. Louis. And so that's just a great example of, of the whole process going from a, an idea to start a company, investment, building more capital, building more, and exit the returns capital to investors, and the jobs continue in St. Louis. And you may have seen recently that uh, that the compound that we invested in originally that's now in clinical trials in humans has just been approved by the FDA to test against COVID. It's a very exciting development uh, that that invention from our, our labs here at, at BioSTL is is now attacking a, such an important disease for our economy. Yeah, we just talked with uh, Confluence about their anti-inflammatory drug and how it may have applications for COVID and, and the acceleration of the research when it comes to uh, to COVID and getting approval from the government. When it comes to these, these companies, are they, uh, for Biogenerator, mostly in the medical and or agricultural fields? Those are the big ones. You know, for, for St. Louis, we have such great resources with the medical schools, uh, the Danforth Center on the ag side, the legacy of, of Monsanto, the other businesses, uh, large and small, around that. So, plant and life sciences, broadly defined, um, meaning healthcare, and, and increasingly more and more ag tech, is where Biogener uh, makes its investments. That's where we try and uh, target entrepreneurs and residents and bring talent to bear and capital to bear to, to, to launch companies. A big part of that is the you know folks that have spent their careers in industry and just have such a depth of, of knowledge and understanding of folks that may have worked for 25 or 30 years at a, a Monsanto, Pharmacy, Pfizer, those sorts of companies. Another great example is Covercrust, uh, one of Biogenera's ag tech companies at the Helix Center in the 39 North District. Very similar to Confluence, if it's uh, a group of ex-Montano folks who wanted to do something that really has never been done before with a, a cover crop that produces a a saleable product, and that having that um, that talent base, you know, five, six, seven, eight individuals uh, from di- different disciplines at Montana with just a, a depth of experience that is so hard to find. We're, we're fortunate to have that kind of talent, and if we can augment that with capital and maybe a, a little bit of business expertise here or there. Uh, to, to round out the story, that's that's really our, our recipe for building a, a St. Louis company. And you mentioned how uh, Confluence grew out of research at Pfizer and and folks who had been laid off there and looking for their their next opportunity. And and so often when we hear an announcement like that, I think especially in St. Louis, we think, oh geez, more layoffs. Another company is downsizing. But if you, for example, look at Anheuser-Busch and the layoffs there, so many of the breweries that we now have and enjoy, the craft breweries in St. Louis, were started by AB alums who found themselves, they may have originally thought, I'm going to spend my entire career there, and then they found themselves on the beach and thought, 
I'm going to start my own brewery. And now we're one of the nation's leading cities for, for craft breweries. So from Pfizer to AB, uh, it seems like these, uh, these opportunities can maybe come from unexpected places. That's right. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, usually a handful of folks, right? It's uh, a small percentage of, of people coming out of those industries, but they, they maybe always thought that, that they wanted to do something on their own or um, in the bigger company, there's, there's so much, so many resources and so many opportunities, but also often so much bureaucracy and things move a little slower. And, you know, in some cases, ideas that folks had proposed were, were shot down because it just didn't quite fit the strategy of the big company or was perceived as too risky. And, you know, then, then at that right moment, you know, with the support organizations like BioSale and Biogener and others that we have in the region um, to, to, to help people that, that have that twinkle in their eye and, and want to take the risk and put a few years of their life into trying to get something going. Um, that's it's so special, and it's, it's hard to find people that, that want to do that. But that training that comes in the big company and the expertise, some of those organizations, um, Monsanto in particular is interesting because people are intentionally moved around different parts of the business every few years. And so when they end a career after 25 years, they've really touched every aspect of the business and, and just understand all the elements that are needed. And so if that person thinks about, as an example, a new idea for a company, it just brings so much experience to the table. Yeah, it's interesting because I think with a startup, you've got to have your hands in everything and know a little bit about all sorts of different aspects because you don't have a wide-ranging staff to rely on. But at a big corporation, it seems like it'd be easy to get pigeonholed or stuck in a corner and you do your one thing in your one department and and it's hard to break out of that sometimes so that's interesting that that's how monsanto approached it it is and the, i i uh, don't know how common that is but that's been an interesting and uh, a great opportunity for us as we as we work with folks coming out of that organization and and recognize that they've you know been in research they've been a commercial uh just all all different parts of the business um, you know, every every so many years, seemingly, and I think that's been by design to to build uh, complete employees for them, and therefore uh, they make you know great candidates to to start businesses on their own. Well, from people who are maybe starting their careers over and thinking about starting something from scratch to the point where Biogenerator enters and you're investing and you're mentoring and you're helping companies get to the next level, and maybe that requires somebody with more experience, uh, talk about how Biogenerator and BioSTL are helping to deepen the talent bench by doing some targeted recruiting of people at uh, some of the larger companies in St. Louis to help some of the smaller ones. Yeah, so we... Uh, decided a few years ago that rather than just be passive in, in the talent um, part of this, that we would take a significant part of our annual budget. Um, now that's about $700,000 that we're investing just in talent. And then we would identify areas where we needed to have, um, rather than wait for, for people to come to us and say they were interested in things, we would go after an area and say we were going to invest in talent um, for example, in ag tech, to hire people that have all those characteristics, characteristics we talked about um, and put them in place and then back them financially for a period of time so that they had, you know, a, a landing spot in our organization, um, you know, some runway in terms of, of salary so they wouldn't leave the area and, 
you know, go to the East or West Coast to, to take a, another corporate job and really, you know, create a, a stable of, of folks um, with diverse experiences and, and sectors that were important to us and then make that a, a part of our program every year. And over the last few years, we've increased that each year. Uh, it's a combination of both that, that highly experienced, proven talent and then what we call the Venture Capital Fellow Program, which is uh, very um, young individuals coming out of medical school or, or graduate programs that have shown an aptitude for entrepreneurship. Uh, that's the other end of the spectrum that we invest in, that combination of experienced individuals and promising young talent. Very often we pair those two, um, a, a senior entrepreneur in residence with, with deep experience and a very promising young individual, both of whom we pay you know, for one to two years or three years um, to explore things, to develop things, to help existing portfolio companies, and then ideally to emerge out of the, the end of that process with a, an exciting new company in St. Louis. So one recent example is a startup called Open Cell Technologies, and uh, BioGenerator helped to recruit uh, Kevin Gutschall from Millipore Cigna to be the CEO of the startup. So first of all, it's always cool to hear about what these startups are and what they're doing. Uh, so what can you tell us about Open Cell Technologies? And then also, what was it that Kevin from Millipore Sigma brought that was so important here? So Open Cell Technologies is a, is a device that helps in the manufacturing of uh, whole cell treatments for, for human disease. So readers and listeners will, will know about uh, uh, these CAR T cells um, that are used in oncology. It's a hugely important area in medicine, a very uh, fast-growing area, these cells that can attack disease, specifically uh, tumors. The, the manufacturing of those cells um, is, is very complicated and requires very specialized uh, equipment. OpenCell has invented a, a device, a technology that dramatically improves the, the, the manufacturing of CAR T cells and other uh, whole cell treatments for human disease. So it's a, a manu manufacturing device. It, originally, it was a, it's an engineering invention from Washington University. Uh, originally, the inventors had thought to, to use it just as a laboratory tool. And with the help of our, uh, one of our entrepreneurs and residents, Chad Steening, and another former EIR, Paul Olivo, they really spent time with the inventors and thought about the device, thought about what it was capable of doing, and, and pivoted the, the uh, commercial application, again, from a, a bench-level research tool to this exciting field of, of CAR-T therapy. And so over the last couple of years, we've been incubating that, that company, um, largely being managed by our entrepreneurs and residents. And with the, the development that were made, um, the, the huge opportunity in, uh, in oncology and whole cell therapy, it was the right time to bring in a professional CEO to, to take that technology to the marketplace and uh, convert the business um, you know, to a revenue-generating company. After the break, we'll continue talking with Charlie Bolton from BioGenerator on Nothing Impossible, presented by BioSTL on KMOX. KMOX, at your service. BioSTL presents Nothing Impossible. BioSTL, driving the St. Louis innovation economy. 
Now, back to Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Welcome back. Michael Calhoun with Charlie Bolton, who's the Senior Vice President of BioGenerator. It seems like in St. Louis, uh, maybe more than other places, there's so much collaboration and people are willing to to work across company lines and get involved and and build build a community. Does that seem like it's it's more the case in St. Louis maybe than in other places? It's certainly a real thing. you know, folks remark on that when they when they come to St. Louis and they hear about it. And our our, our community at the at the BioSTL building and specifically within the BioGenera Labs, where we have so many companies, probably 60, 70 companies, you know, in the facility, entrepreneurs and residents, VC fellows. There's so much cross fertilization and, and collaboration between companies, between uh, entrepreneurs. Even very little thought about you know competition and, and, and much more about working together. You know, our, our facility is, is largely a, a shared space, and that's intentional. We, we spend a lot of time thinking about, I mean, part of that's capital efficiency and maximizing the impact of expensive capital equipment and expensive facilities across as many companies as possible. But the other part of that is just the community aspect. We, we really, really encourage uh, interaction between between the companies and so it's really a small percentage of the companies in the BioSTL building that, that Biogener is an investor in. Uh, dozens and dozens of companies in the space uh, we're supporting through other mechanisms, including just providing that specialized space. And we love to see that interaction. You're right. There, there are just so many examples of of C-level uh, individuals who are involved in multiple companies or on boards and all that sort of thing, collaboration between device companies and pharma companies. Uh, all working together, and it's just—it's a wonderful thing. And how is the as you work on, on individual cases generally? How's the talent scene in St. Louis? We just had a big endorsement, uh, a, a different kind of skill, but Accenture putting fourteen hundred jobs in Advanced Technology Center here. But Pfizer, more in the wheelhouse, also expanded with a new campus in Chesterfield. Um, they seem to have absolutely no problem finding the talent they need in St. Louis. What's your perspective on that? I think St. Louis has a, a lot of highly trained individuals, and it, it depends on the on the vertical we're talking about. Um, what, what, we lots of research folks. Um, you know, Monsanto obviously the headquarters was here, so um, that had the, the the full continuum. You know, through commercial in the, in the pharma space, uh, Pfizer site has always been a research site only. So there's no been no um, you know commercial aspect of, of the business located in St. Louis. And so in pharma, a little, you know, lighter, um, although there are, of course, other companies beyond Pfizer, but a little lighter on business talent. And so within the startup community specifically, you know, our, our overall, our, our startups are relatively young. You know, we, um, the, the founders of BioSDL, you know, have been at this for over 20 years, but it's, it's really been, you know, in the last 10 years that things have taken off. And so that's that first wave of companies. What we, what we lack is uh, serial entrepreneurs. And so more mature ecosystems have individuals who have been in, involved in, you know, multiple startup companies who've, who've made money for investors. We talked about Confluence, you know, completing that process for the first time. Um, and those individuals, Joe Monahan, Wally Smith, and the team are, are still part of the, the company that acquired them. And so, uh, you know, at some point they will probably cycle out of the bigger company. That company itself will be acquired, um, and then they'll be back at it and start their second company. Hopefully, um, that that pattern of, of of success 
multiple exits, individuals who have been, you know, grew up in industry, moved into startup companies, uh, created successful startup companies, returned capital to investors, and maybe did it more than one time. That's the next level. And so what we lack is uh, we probably have the, the talent in terms of the, the base level training. We just don't have the, the proven experiences of, of multiple exits. And that's so motivational to investors. Investors love to invest in, in folks that have made money for them before or made money for others before. So that, that's really the next level we need to get to. Yeah, when people hear about uh, a sale of a company in St. Louis or even the word exit, there may be a negative feeling that they just feel based on past experience, I, I guess, when they hear that. But in, in the startup realm, uh, an exit is a good thing. And as you, as you described, it, it allows for further investment in new companies and it creates this, this ecosystem. That's right. And, you know, exit can mean different things. We, we talked about the Confluence example. You know, Confluence has more jobs today in St. Louis than it did when it was acquired. Um, and then, so certainly that happens. You know, companies may reach the public markets. So we saw that Galera, a St. Louis foreign company, reached the public market last year and, again, has more company, more employees today in St. Louis than it did, uh, you know, before it had that, that exit by, by IPO. In other cases, you know, the company will be acquired and the jobs um, will be lost. But if capital is, is returned to the region, founders of the company, leaders of the company, uh, made money, they'll be thirsty to do it again, and that's a healthy part of it as well. In mature um, environments, you know, on the West Coast, uh, people are able to move from startup to startup and move from success to, the, you know, the next startup. Um, and an exit, and, you know, an, an exit that returns capital to the region and makes money for investors just makes the whole process work. And finally, Charlie, how did you come to be a part of this? How did you get to BioGenerator? I was fortunate to be recruited in uh, 2009. I had spent the, the decade before uh, working in research at, uh, at Pfizer and predecessor companies and in ag tech research before that. But um, I moved up um, reasonably well within those companies and I think uh, worked hard and just uh, had the right opportunity based on folks that knew me and, and uh, thought that I could do a, a good job in this role. And, my phone rang in 2009. It was the right time for me, and it's been great. Charlie Bolton, Senior Vice President of BioGenerator, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Where can people go to get more information? Uh, BioGenerator.org. King MOX, at your service. BioSTL presents Nothing Impossible. BioSTL, driving the St. Louis innovation economy. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on King MOX. Well, one of the big stories this week in St. Louis came courtesy of Centene CEO Michael Nydorf. He announced, first of all, that Centene, one of the biggest health care companies in the United States and the biggest public company that's headquartered in the St. Louis area, Centene is going to invest a billion dollars into Charlotte, creating more than 3,000 jobs, potentially 6,000 jobs, and it's going to be an East Coast regional headquarters. Michael Nydorf said that St. Louis needs to get its act together in various ways and that he needed to find an alternative. It was the talk of the town this week. And Michael Nydorf, by the way, is a winner of the Arch Grants Entrepreneur Award. He won that in 2016 for supporting startups in St. Louis. And Michael Nydorf talked with Charlie Brennan and Amy Markscores about this seeming threat to move the company. 
Well, I, I want to take I want to take a, a little higher level look first and come down to that, Charlie, if I may. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's a series of things that need to be done, and, and this is all intended to be constructive and things I've been talking about for some time. And I think it's the kinds of things that I want. I mean, I've lived here longer than anywhere else. My, my, you know, Peter and Monica, everybody are raised here, and I want to see St. Louis be successful, and I want to contribute to that success. But we have to start to recognize a couple of things. And it goes to multiple things. And Charlotte makes an ideal example. You look at their airport. I mean, every gate is filled with big American Airlines flights. You can go anywhere in the country direct. You can virtually the major major cities. You can go overseas. And this is pre-COVID, and we'll get back to that. Okay? Uh, you know, we talk about privatizing the airport and to talk to the people in Denver, it cost them $200 million, was a failure. I'm telling people, let's do that to ourselves. We we can fix the airport as, as individual citizens. It's the best asset the city has. So, you know, I think it's you look at those things. I've been uh, saying we need controlled access on Metrolink. You know, right now, I've, I've heard, I haven't confirmed, that 25% of the people use it uh, pay. But anybody can go on and off any station, can hassle people. We need to we need to do things that you and I could go to a ball game and not give it a second thought coming and going on it. Uh, the uh, the the things on uh, crime it's not just the high level of crime and it's not just the the volatility the, uh, the severity of it it's it's the overall and, and we're doing something now that I think is really important the the county executive I have a lot of respect for him and the mayor they are now you know bringing in real experts, and some of us have been behind trying to help that, a group of us. And, you know, when you start bringing in the, the people they are, the, the Oates and the others that are real experts, but it's not just the crime, it's the policies, it's all the, it's the, it's the civil rights, it's, it's looking at the totality of it that we're advocating for. We start to get all these things right, crime will come down, and I'll be able to recruit people in St. Louis. But you know, when you go onto the website for St. Louis, or you do on the uh, on the net, first thing you see is murder capital of the world. So what I'm saying is, I'm going to work very hard to do all that we can to improve things. But I have to be responsible from a personal and a corporate standpoint. If things don't get better, I have to have an alternative, and Charlotte could provide that. What are some of the policies that concern you? Well, uh, in terms of the in terms of law enforcement, looking at it right now, they're looking at community policing. They're looking at uh, how you know what kind of de- what kind of departments they need. What do they do for drugs? What do they do for various components of it? Uh, what about the civil rights? What about the uh, uh, no chokeholds? And what about some of the things that that create the distress? We, these are things we need to have. Firm policies. What about training? What about training people on how to de-escalate? And I've talked to police in other parts of the country where they, they have those policies. They, they train the officer on de-escalating a situation. It's the, the totality of it. I'm saying we have to take a real hard look from the top and, and just deal with it. And once we get these reports, because the people we're talking to, as I said, they're, they're the world's best and recognized. And the, and the police, when they're working with in town, I'm told, recognize it too. Get these reports and then take some action on them. And we, we, we can start to turn things around. Yesterday, the county executive and the mayor announced that they'll require masks 
Do you think that's in response to comments you made that you think masks should be mandatory in our area? I'm going to tell you, I think masks are essential until we have a vaccine. The epidemiologists I work with tell me that. Now, I don't think I think I think they're responding to what they to the scientists, not to me. I'm going to give you very quickly two examples. Tokyo has 127, not Tokyo, but Japan, 127 million people. Now, in Asia, they've always had a mask mentality going back to the 80s when I went there. Hong Kong has 7 million people, mask mentality, very congested. They, in, in Japan, they reported at the same time we reported 100,000 lives lost. They reported 832. Now, let's say they understated it. Make it 8,000. No, it makes a difference. Hong Kong reported four deaths from COVID-19. Let's say they understated it and it's 2,500. No, I mean, so my point is, I'm a big fan. You come into Centene, you're going to have your temperature checked, and you're not coming in without a mask. And, I mean, the scientists are clear. And one of the things, by the way, I have to tell you, I have a lot of respect for the governor of uh, of North Carolina. He he essentially said, we're not going to have the Republican National Convention here with people not being able to maintain social distancing if they don't wear masks. And the, and the citizens are behind them now. They recognize that we're talking about public safety in a different sense. And along the lines of public safety, you also bring up concerns about the Metrolink. Yes, very much so. You know, it's uh, putting in uh, controlled access, you know, turnstiles and things. Uh, it's so simple. And it, it can. And, and I told them that I would work to get facial recognition cameras where they go through there. So if there is somebody that has a criminal background with outstanding warrants, they're not going to get on the Metrolink because they know at the next station somebody will be waiting for them. Let's, let's just allow little things we can do, get behind us as a community, and really make a difference. And I mean, I, I'm committed to doing all I can. But as I said, I personally and corporately have to have alternatives. And that's the only thing I was articulating. I'm trying to be constructive. Now, you also believe in the expansion of Medicaid. That's on the ballot in August. Has North Carolina expanded Medicaid? Uh, they're, they're working through it right now, as I recall they have. When you did decide finally on North Carolina, what, in, what went into that decision from, say, other cities? Well, I looked at the totality, and I worked with some people out of Brookings Institute to identify criteria for cities. 67% of the students in the inner city graduate high school. I'm sorry, 87%. Close to 70% go on to trade school, college, or some advanced education. I look at the Metrolink and how they control that. I, we just You look at the totality of it. They, they had a little rise in crime. They jumped on it right away. So they, uh, the mask policies, the things that are sound public policy. So they, they really are thinking ahead, and, and it's a very welcoming city. You know, and the whole time I've been there, not one person asked me what high school I went to. Okay? Well, you know, it's, kind of a joke, it's kind of a joke around here, but it says something about, about an inclusiveness. There, there's a, they have 120 people a day moving in. And when you talk to our people over there, they're warm, they're welcoming, all welcome. 
So I, I have every major senior executive in town wants to meet with me when I when I get over there. Now, that that's great. So what I'm saying is, it has char- the airport. It has characteristics that I want to see us start to move to. It's it's not a point in time. It's a process. And I think we all know that. And I'm trying, as I said, I want to be constructive. There's a process we move to, where we become inclusive, and we start to we start to show the strengths we have. And the city has strengths. You know, it's it's the best geographic location I could think of. You know, we 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 do more. We have, we continue to work on the riverfront. Have the best riverfront. There's so many things we can do collectively. Have regional leaders been receptive to the concerns you've expressed? Well, I think there are some people that are receptive to it. And I'm just saying that, you know, that we have a lot of meetings. We do a lot of strategic planning and things over the years. But I'm saying let's, I, I believe you do something that doesn't work, you stop and do something else. And that's kind of been the philosophy in the company for many years. And I'm saying let's, let's identify a few things. Um, Charlotte has, as I said, a big airport with a lot of commercial flights. And executives want to be able to reserve a seat. And that, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give you some pluses. Now, we know the bonds are low here. They paid off a lot. We know the rates are low. Why not do it to ourselves? Why not build the airport the way we as a community want it? When there's not been a public, a, a private airport in this country that I, anybody can point to that's worked. As I said, look at Denver. I asked, I told people, go look at Denver. Talk to them. Cost them $200 million to get out of it. The other was blowing up. So let's, let's, it's the best asset the city has. Let's work on that. Let, let's, you know, and I, I think there's people working on par, uh, Arch to the Park and all those things. Andy telling that they're doing a lot of things. That's great. Let's do more of it. And, so and we're, committed, just, we're committed to spend the money to it. Let's get some international flights. I was working on that, and if it wasn't for COVID, we may have had one. And the benefit is if we get international, people will figure out this is a better customs place to clear because it's smaller. And we'll get more feeder flights from other airlines. I mean, there's a strategy that can get some things done. It doesn't cost a lot of money. When you are talking to top executives from companies across the nation, what is their perception of St. Louis? And what are some of the first comments they make? Well, you know, somebody taught me a long time ago, don't ask the question if you don't know what you're going to do with the answer. Hmm. So I'm not asking people what they think of St. Louis. I I do talk about its strengths. Look, I'm not. I'm not. I I would say you'd be hard pressed to find somebody out there that said I've talked negatively about St. Louis. Whether you were talking to somebody in in Charlotte, Austin, Texas, Sacramento, where we put up big West Coast headquarters in. So so I mean, uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to be negative about it. I'm just trying to say. I've recognized the need, and people wanted to know why we chose Charter, why we're making it such a headquarters. And I saw this as an opportunity to honestly say, let's try and do some things that improve it. And as I said, the county executive, the mayor, others, with what they're doing, they're taking that broad look at the police department, which is so desperately needed. It's Because if we can get those things right, then, then we're going to see crime come down the right way. But we have to get a lot more police, too, so that when people put a call in, they they have a quicker response. So there's things that, that we can do, we have to work on. And uh, I'm going to do all I can to try and help uh, in my spare time. Do you think it's easier to recruit an employee 
to move to Charlotte than it is to recruit an employee to move to St. Louis? Charlie, unfortunately, there's no comparison. I mean, I was trying to recruit, and this is, I've said this before, and I don't say this, I say it to be honest so people realize, I had a senior person I was trying to recruit of color. And they saw, they were in the weekend, and because uh, they wanted them to see St. Louis, we put them up in a nice hotel, and different executives take them out for dinner and with their spouses. And there was a weekend they announced that the 13th child had been killed. And they said, we're not coming to St. Louis. That was Centene CEO Michael Nydorf with Charlie and Amy. Up next on Nothing Impossible, presented by BioSTL, I'll touch base with a site selection consultant, the kind of person who executives call when they're looking for a new headquarters location. That's up next on KMOX. KMOX, at your service. BioSTL presents Nothing Impossible. BioSTL, driving the St. Louis innovation economy. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Healthcare giant Centene, which is locally based, is opening a potentially billion-dollar campus in North Carolina. CEO Michael Nydorf says there are a lot of things that need to change civically around St. Louis. Let's get some perspective from an expert. John Boyd is principal with the Boyd Company, one of those site-selecting consulting firms that executives call when they're picking a new city. John, how do you explain this? Well, this is a new reality that, that we have today. The, the office structure is, is highly mobile today. As companies are uh, doing cost-cutting, they're recalibrating, they're reacting to new market uh, forces. And we, we don't view this as a horrible indictment on St. Louis. In fact, just the opposite. We are, our firm looks at St. Louis really as well-positioned to be the next big economic development success story. Uh, you saw uh, Nashville and Dallas and Atlanta over the past decade, emerge as real leaders for white-collar uh, headquarter projects. St. Louis, given its geographic neutrality, its low-cost profile, and the acumen of the local economic development uh, uh, professionals, we think is well-positioned to, to gain its fair share uh, in this economy that is going to be focused on, on, on corporate cost-cutting uh, during the post-COVID-19 economic recovery. And I, I think Accenture is a great example of that. I mean, that was a tremendous endorsement upon the state business climate and these skill sets, uh, the idea that Accenture would invest so heavily in St. Louis. Yeah, that was a big announcement last week, Accenture, 1,400 jobs at a brand new tech hub in St. Louis County. In terms of Centene and the CEO's talk about an alternative to St. Louis, is that a serious threat, or do you think he's trying to do some pressure, get some leverage? Yes, and this could be about a bargaining chip. This could be about an incentive play. But uh, I think sophisticated business leaders would not view this as any type of indictment upon the St. Louis business climate. Uh, I can tell you that the professionals, the economic development professionals in St. Louis and the state of Missouri are very aware of this new site selection driver called social impact, and they're working on ways to incorporate that into their economic development message. 
there is a lot of opportunity out there. Companies up and down the West Coast from San Francisco to Seattle are finding that costs are getting pretty high and quality of life is going in the opposite direction. So they're looking to move. But cities like Charlotte seem like they're more top of mind than St. Louis. And you've got the Centene CEO pointing out some of the St. Louis troubles like crime. So how does St. Louis get into the conversation for these opportunities? Uh, how does St. Louis become top of mind, I guess? You know, we're seeing a new uh, series of opportunities for St. Louis, given this era of corporate cost cutting and this and this site selection attribute, this asset of being you know, geographic, you know, geographically in the middle of the country. I think in a post-COVID-19 environment, that's another site selection and, and business attraction tool as companies want to minimize corporate travel. That's another driver that will help St. Louis attract head office projects. And you're right. You mentioned the enormous amount of wealth and business leaving California and leaving high-cost New York. These companies are looking for new opportunities to tap intellectual capital and be in in markets in the center of the country that, that enjoy a low operating cost profile. St. Louis very much fits that model. And the most mobile sector in site selection today is the headquarter arena. And companies no longer view the headquarter arena merely as moving human capital and moving real estate. They really look at it as an opportunity to reposition the company in the marketplace and return to a focus on uh, traditional business climate factors. And that will be an arena that Missouri is, is well positioned to compete in as we now get into this recovery mode where companies really are focusing on improving the bottom line on the revenue, on on the cost side of the ledger versus the revenue side of the ledger. One last thing, John, do any of your clients include Centene or any of the St. Louis Civic Booster organizations? No, no, we we have not. And uh, Centene is not a client of ours and, and neither is Accenture. I keep mentioning Accenture. John Boyd, principal with the Boyd Group out of Princeton, New Jersey. Thank you for your time, and thank you for joining us for this edition of Nothing Impossible. Travis and I will be back next week with more local innovation and technology. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.